celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Ah, it's getting to that time of year where we're starting to put stuff on the sidewalks. Stuff on the sidewalks? Explain yourself. Well, you know, when that snow falls, you oh. put salt on them. Okay. I thought melt no, it. I, I smelled yeah. sidewalk smelt. sales or something. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just talking about <laughs> sidewalk stuff that melts okay. stuff. Uh, and this is uh, a time of the year where, you know, a lot of Joey always comes in and he says, make sure your dogs have mitts or that they're there. You wash their paws because even the oh, salt, even uh-huh. the salt alone can like dry it up, I guess, and make it irritated. hard and irritated. Yeah, sure. Something you don't have to worry about in Las Vegas there. No, you know, but we're still, we just, we're getting out of the triple digits still. So I'm not ready to talk about like, you know, freezing weather. You know, I just want some pleasant 70, 80 degree weather. How about that? Well, we're still a month away from uh, at least some parts of the country from uh, any kind of snow or cold weather of any sort. We want you to make sure that what you're putting down on the sidewalk is safe for your animals. And, you know, this is the same thing with spring. Spring comes around, you put stuff on your lawn. We want to make sure that stuff is Mm -hmm. safe for your animals, too. We're going to have a toxologist on today from the Pet Poison Helpline, and she will tell us about not only what we've just been talking about, but she'll be talking about a change in ingredients with the decon mice and rat killer. And sometimes, you know, animals get into this. Have you ever seen that? They get into that kind of stuff, Dr. Debbie? Oh, gosh, yeah, quite a bit. We've seen uh, dogs, cats, and, you know, these products are still around. But, you know, the scariest thing is I actually had one of my own dogs get into what I thought was bromethylene while we were out in a remote area. And, uh, Wait, what's was, bromethylene? Yeah. It, it's a it's a type of uh, rodenticide that they okay. use for, like, you know, kind of like moles and things out there in the woods and where they try to kill off all these wild critters that they don't want on uh, farmlands. And um, I, my Labrador got into something. He ate something, and within just a few seconds, he became disoriented, almost like fell over, Ooh. vomited, and it was really quite a scary thing. And um, so, uh, What did you end up having to do? Well, you know, the, there's not a lot you can do. Um, the, actually, the vomit itself, um, um, we tried to save it and then freeze it <laughs> and test it, you know, to see if we could detect what it was. Um, he did recover. You know, we were out in the field, so we have a dog kit, but we, you know, pretty much just did some nursing care rest, and um, he recovered. Um, you know, but we just couldn't prove it, and we tried to warn folks in the area to be aware that there, you know, could be some individuals using you know, rodent baits out in that area. Mm, okay. I look forward to talking to this toxologist because I have so many questions, so many questions. Also on the show today, we're doing another flashback. We like doing these flashbacks. Today, it's Sheena Easton. We all remember Sheena Easton. She's, oh, she's yeah. still alive. My baby takes the morning train. Yeah. That was one of them, right? She's okay. a big cat lover. She loves cats to the point that it might even be just a little bit over the top. And you know I'm over the top with my cats, but we'll let you mm. be the judge coming up right here on Animal Radio in just a few minutes. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? Toxoplasma gondii. Is that right, Dr. Debbie, how you say it? Toxoplasmosis, yes. It's always been associated with kind of a, a weirdness in some people. Makes you crazy. But now there's actually a, a benefit to getting having toxoplasmosis. Really? So we'll tell you what that is. Yeah. I'm going to go play in the kitty litter right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this call, let's go to the phones. one 405 8405 Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Where are you today? I'm in Detroit. Listening in Detroit. So how can we help you? I have the whole team here for you. 
nine-year-old Yorkie. And she, uh, she, she, got, she fell ill, and she walked through a pesticide that I had been spraying for some bees, and I was a suspect that she may have uh, you know, suffered some ill effects from that. So I took her to three different veterinarians, and they all three of them kind of discounted uh, my, my thoughts, and, and they wanted to give her you know, a multitude of tests and blood tests and this and that. And, and, and. So anyway, uh, she had some pretty severe... Uh, symptoms, diarrhea and vomiting, shaking, almost uh, fitful seizures, seizures like uh, mm, sleeping wow. patterns. And and this went on for a, a, a solid week. And she she looked really listless, and, and I, we thought we were going to lose her. But now they've got her on a series of medications, and, and she's starting to turn the corner, and she's getting back to herself. Okay. So, so when you – I was – I... Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to know when you said she she walked through the chemical, um, how how freshly after was after that was sprayed? You know, just just a, f- a few moments, and, and dumb me, I didn't realize that you know this thing was gonna uh, you know I, I didn't re- even read the warnings on the can before I'd sprayed for these these bees and I, these carpenter bees actually, and I thought you know that's it's pretty uh, uh, harmless to a, a dog. You know, because it's specifically for bees. Well, when I mm-hmm. read the cautions, I realized that it was, it was a mistake to let the dog anywhere, even outside, when I was spraying for these bees, and and it contained these these uh, two poisons. If I, I'll tell you what they are, if I may. Okay. And one is called imidacloprid. Okay. Yep. And the other one is pralithrin. Pyrethrin. These are two different bug sprays that I tried on these, these uh, carpenter bees that it's really difficult to eradicate these things. And the reason I was even so adamant about eradicating them is because one of them stung her about a week prior to that. Mm, okay. So, yeah. so I wanted them out from underneath my deck. So, okay. Uh, yep. And I was, just, I was just a little bit puzzled because I went online and I looked up this, this ingredient, this imidacloprid, and and excuse me if I don't pronounce it that well, imidacloprid. And I looked it up online, and the first thing that popped out was, is this toxic to dogs? Yes. And, and it described all these symptoms. And mm-hmm. every symptom that it described was consistent with exactly what she had and exactly the way she reacted and exactly the way she her condition was. And when I went to all these different vet, veterinary uh, hospitals, they all kind of discounted that. And then you know they, I racked up a fifteen hundred dollar bill for the for the vets in in a couple of days. All right, wow. So you know if if uh, anytime I have a pet kind of walk through freshly sprayed chemical pesticides of any sort, you know it is something that I'd be a bit more concerned about um, when a product such as this is sprayed and it's dried, um, or say with like a fertilizer when it's sprayed and then it's already been watered and, you know, the area is dried, it's not such a risk. But if we get into the pure, pure product, then definitely depending on the concentration of those different ingredients in there, we, we could be concerned with some, some effects. Most now, imidacloprid most of the times, and, you know, this is actually in a lot of different types of, um, parasite medication for dogs and cats. So it is safe for them within the normal, uses of it with dogs and cats now but that's not 
counting, you know, the bug sprays that we're talking about that are being used for pest control. So if we do have exposure to that, there is the potential. Most commonly, very honestly, it's limited to stomach upset and digestive upset. Um, We don't tend to see a lot of other um, issues that can come on with that. There can be some rare uh, neurologic problems, and I have seen that a little bit more in some of the super tiny little dogs. Um, but because imidacloprid is, ex- I don't say expelled, it's eliminated from the body within 24 hours, that's kind of why maybe as a veterinary mind we might be saying, you know what, this doesn't necessarily fit the timeline of what you're seeing to what is the norm of how long this medication is within the body. So the other thing I'd throw out there is you mentioned a, um, a bee sting, and there are dogs that I've seen have a more prolonged effect after a, um, a bee envenomation. So they can actually go on and have some um, problems with liver disease, neurologic problems. They can develop some uh, acute, uh, very sudden kidney problems, um, and even some other blood problems where they can have clotting issues. And some of that can be very suddenly, but some of that can be a little bit more prolonged in, um, after an exposure to a bee sting, especially if they got into like a, you know, a lot of bees. So that's okay. even something that would make me a little curious um, the hard thing is, you know, I sense your frustration. And, and the hard thing is we can't tell you what caused this. We only can follow the the evidence and, and try to, um, you know, support the body. And um, I think in some of your notes, was there also some concern that there was some liver problem she was having as well? She had an existing liver problem for uh, several okay. years now. She's on okay. this uh, medication called Demerarin. Okay. And she's been she's been on that for well she's nine years old she's probably been on that for at least five or six years already of her oh. life. And we know a lot of little toy breed dogs can have um, some um, hepatic dysfunction or um, uh, micro, what we call microvascular dysplasia or some some are even borderline liver shunts. So if that's kind of been something on her radar, yeah, she's not going to have the resiliency to kind of about jump through you know some uh, medical crisis like that. So well, I hope it sounds like, you know, you've, you've got her the care she needs and, and, and hopefully everything gets back to 100% there very soon. We, we have, and, and they've got her on a, on a host of medications here, and they gave her a couple of injections to hydrate her because she was, wasn't eating, wasn't drinking. Uh, now she's eating and drinking again, and she's getting back to herself. Actually, she, she, didn't, she didn't bark once in, in a week, and now somebody walked by with a, with a big dog, and she... She was barking at the dog, so she's getting back to her her normal Aww. mossy attitude. And she's she's a four pound Yorkie, and she looks everybody just adores her. She looks like a little stuffed animal, Aww. and uh, so we uh, yeah we absolutely and and we're we're empty nesters. So this is this is like a child. For sure, us. And we lost our, we had another Yorkie prior to this one for seventeen years, and mm-hmm. and then she passed on, and we well we had to put her down. She had a collapsed trachea. And my wife moped around for about a year, and then I appeared one day at the door with this puppy. So this is like her... Her child. All our best go out to you and Lola, and, and I wish her a speedy recovery there. Thank you for your call. Toll free 1-866-405-8405. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Bar Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. 
And I, I'm, I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 10th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Powered by Nissan, the tour travels from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. Companion sponsors Tito's Vodka and Dog Legs join in the fun, as media sponsor Animal Radio broadcasts the tour from September 8th to October 14th. Pet Box sponsor Paw Pack and pet insurance sponsor Embrace Pet Insurance support the tour, along with advocate sponsors Buddy Belts, Pet Curian, Hands on Gloves, and Rolf C. Hagen. Attendees at each event stand in line to donate money and spin our giant spinning wheel, filled with great prizes they can win. Provided by sponsors like Community Sponsors, Cosequin Joint Health Supplements, Petmate, Dexas, Zenden, and Canaday, where all proceeds benefit the shelter at the end of the day. Log on to FidoFriendly.com and find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's no secret, once a week I go visit a shrink. Once a week? Yeah, I'm oh, telling you now. If it's uh, And I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm not going to hide that. What about animals? Should they be seeing a shrink? Did you know there are dog shrinks? I and never I should thought about it. Use the proper terminology here, psychologist or psychiatrist. We have Dr. Zazie Todd joining us on Skype. Hi, Dr. Todd. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm very excited to chat with you. Are you a psychologist for humans or animals? My background is in human psychology. I have a PhD in psychology, but what I've been doing the last few years since 2012 is writing a blog called Companion Animal Psychology, which is about animals. And so I've been researching science, what science tells us about dogs and cats, how to have happy dogs and cats. And at the same time, I've been very lucky because I graduated with honors from the prestigious academy for dog trainers which is known as the harvard of dog trainers and i have a certificate of feline behavior with international cat care so and i'm used to working with dogs and cats um, that maybe have a few issues Mm, okay so what can i do for my cat or my dog to make them happier one of the biggest things you can do is to train them with positive reinforcement and what that means is that if they do the thing you want them to do you you give them some positive reinforcement which often will be food food is usually the best thing to use and this applies to cats as well as dogs there are several reasons this is good one is that a lot of people unfortunately train their dogs or their cats using punishment so maybe they use electronic shock collars or choke chains or prong collars or they roll their dog over. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or if it's a cat, maybe they squirt them with water if they do something they don't like. And especially as far as dogs go, there's quite a big body of research that shows that there are risks to using punishment as a training method. And the risks mainly are to do with causing fear or aggression in in your dog so most of the research is on is on dogs and it's been survey studies where they've asked people how they train their dog and what the results are and does the dog have any behavior problems and there have also been experimental studies where they've observed people training dogs to see what the results are and the body language so there are risks to using punishment that's one thing but the other thing is there are some benefits to using 
positive reinforcement in terms of cognitive enrichment. So many dogs perhaps get a bit bored some of the time, maybe cats too if you have an indoor cat. And training with positive reinforcement is a really nice way to provide enrichment for your dog or cat because it's a fun activity. And there is a study, a really nice study that shows that dogs like to successfully solve problems and they prefer to solve the problem and earn a reward than actually just to be given the reward in the first place. My dog, I know that there are certain situations that she's fearful of. So should I just avoid them altogether or make her work through it? depends a little bit on what the situation is because some situations you can avoid very very easily um, and then the dog never has to deal with being frightened in those situations but you can also train a dog to not be afraid Um, there's a a technique called desensitization and counter conditioning which basically breaks the situation down into nice easy bits where your dog is never actually going to feel afraid and every time it happens you give them some like a really nice food reward like a piece of chicken or something with tripe or something like that so that they're actually going to learn to like the thing they're afraid of ultimately over time that's a very very successful way of dealing with fear but in some cases for a dog with fear they actually would benefit from seeing a veterinarian and discussing whether or not medication will help because in some cases medication can be very helpful too you know, I've heard many times that a tired dog was a happy dog, but I've also heard the opposite lately, that you shouldn't tire your dog out. Well, in terms of physical exercise, I think dogs definitely do need physical exercise, just like we do. And there is a big problem of overweight and obesity in dogs at the moment, which is kind of similar to the situation for us as people. So exercise is important and helpful to help keep a dog's weight down and, again, to give them something to do. Um, So playing fetch, going for off-leash walks or long walks on-leash. And if you're taking them on-leash, the important thing to remember is to give your dog lots of sniffing opportunities because the walk is for them, really, and not for you. And the nose is such an important organ for dogs I think we all know that they like to sniff. They're always finding things to sniff. So when we take them for a walk, we can think of it as a sniffari. That, that's not my word. But I, didn't, I didn't coin that, but I love that word because it conjures up this idea that the walk is for the dog to find lots of really interesting smells. And, and it's not just physical exercise. It's the smells they get to smell. They can read through their noses they can read where other dogs have been what's happened in the neighborhood who else has been by that kind of thing it's it's really nice for them to have those opportunities you have a blog that talks about this kind of stuff and a website uh, what is the website again companionanimalpsychology.com okay that's a long one there we'll put links to everything you've heard today at animalradio.pet what are we going to find at the website So every Wednesday I have a new post and sometimes it's um, new scientific research about dogs or cats. Um, Sometimes it's an article about how to do things with your dog or cat, how to provide enrichment, common answers to problems that people tend to have. I also have a book club um, which reads 10 books a year. We read non-fiction books about 
dogs and cats and this month we're reading uh, Pitbull The Battle Over an American Icon by Bronwyn Dickey which is fantastic it's yep. a really good read um, every month we have a new a new book and I have a newsletter every month as well very very cool I'm going to go check it out as soon as we're done here today Dr. Zazie Todd thank you so much for hanging with us and telling us about what you do and visit the website companionanimalpsychology.com so you can have a happy dog or happy cat you're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Lexus is launching their UX, the smallest and least expensive Lexus SUV in the world. The UX is especially designed for the urban warrior, but with all the refinements and luxury that Lexus have become known for. Price and fuel economy are still under wraps. It comes in a hybrid all-wheel drive version or a gasoline front-wheel drive version. Even though it has a CVT transmission, Lexus have added a first gear to allow it to drive more like a regular SUV. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. So how can getting a sickness from your cat actually change or improve even your life? Well, according to a new study... The mind-controlling parasite that is found in cat feces, scientists have found, increases a person's likelihood of studying business and going into entrepreneurial-related careers. University of Colorado researchers studied the effects of the parasite Toxoplasma gondii, which is found in wild and even domestic cats, but also in undercooked meats. And their research found that people infected with the parasite were about one and a half times more likely to major in business with an emphasis on either management or entrepreneurship. About 30% of the world's 7.4 billion people are believed to have been infected at one time or another with the parasite. In fact, in the, in the past, toxoplasma has been linked with impulsive behaviors that led to an increased risk for uh, behaviors like car accidents or road rage, mental illness or drug abuse and even suicide. Researchers believe that toxoplasma gondii exposure pushes people toward higher risk reward behaviors and activities. Uh, this previous study that they had done back in 2016 even suggested that people diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder were really twice as likely to carry the Toxoplasma gondii parasite. Explosive disorder? That sounds like a night after Taco Bell. That's Ah, no. No, that's not what that is. See, I think it just explains my road rage now. Now I know why I'm so angry when I get behind the wheel. It's the cats. It's the cats' fault. I agree. This is very interesting because toxoplasmosis has been long time associated with crazy people. Yeah. And Uh and nuts. And now you're saying that these... It's also associated (laughs) with very successful people. So I guess crazy people and successful people are one and the same. Well, look, I mean, we humans just have maybe another another illness or something to blame our behavior on. Sure. You know, like, I'm with Judy, like when, you know, your road rage. <laughs> California has made history, guys, as it becomes the first state in the nation to pass legislation that ends 
the sale of cosmetics, we're talking products like lipstick, shampoo, and deodorant, that have been tested on animals. And though it is likely to be signed by the governor, I know, the groundbreaking law will not go into effect until January of 2020. And as of now, uh, nearly 40 countries around the world, including those in the European Union, uh, India, Israel, Guatemala, New Zealand, Norway, South Korea, uh, Taiwan, Turkey, have all banned or severely limited the use of animals for cosmetic testing. Yay. And goldfish in Paris are getting a second chance. I think this is fabulous because we are rescuers, right? Yep. We rescue all kinds of animals and pets, so why not goldfish? The uh, Paris Aquarium in France has already taken in more than 600 goldfish over the last two years, which is, is a far better option for the fish than it is for, uh, you know, being flushed down a toilet or something, that, which that's a terrible option. But it's really more complex than you might think. Surrendered goldfish, they undergo a regimen of antibiotics and treatment under quarantine for at least a month before being introduced to their new fish community at the big aquarium. And yes, because these rescued fish are kept in in much more elaborate uh, facilities in bigger aquariums, they grow so much larger at the big professional aquarium than they would in any fishbowl. And sometimes they say that is between 8 and 12 inches larger than they would have grown previously with owners who kept them in a bowl. You don't sound nearly as excited as I am how the goldfish are being rescued. <laughs> well, I know people put goldfish and all kinds of uh, fish and turtles back into the wild thinking that, first of all, that they're going to be right. able to survive. And second, they don't realize right. the implications of the actual ecosystem when they introduce Correct. animals like this back in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the, the Paris, what is it, their uh, museum? Zoo? Zoo? It's, a, it's called the Paris Aquarium. Yeah. Okay. So cool. I, I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. I think it shows as, as humans, we're evolving. You know, we're, we're realizing that there are consequences for everything, and, you know, animals have feelings too. So, yay for the goldfish. Yay for humans evolving. Yeah, yes. There you go. <laughs> In the bigger picture, yay for the humans. Um, I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime. We've always got it for you at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Joyce. Hi. We've got a dog that's somewhere between probably 11 and 13 years old. We got her as an adult. She's a very small dog, um, about a foot high and only about 12 pounds. And she's a mutt. She's got some Mm -hmm. black lab in her. But she tends to get under my daughter, my daughter's dog, under her a bed or behind my bed occasionally, and she just starts clawing like she's digging at the ground, only it's my carpet, which is not mm-hmm. a good thing, along with she always seems to do it when we're trying to sleep. And mm-hmm. we just think she there's something going on we don't figure out. Okay. Does she do any kind of digging in the yard as far as any... Uh, digging holes or digging in the grass, anything like that? Yeah, she does, but nothing like really excessive or out of the ordinary that the other animals that we've had have done. Mm-hmm. And is this something she's always done or is she's gotten older? It's developed. As she's gotten older. Okay. Because um, 
Seems like my dogs are representative of all the calls we seem to get here because I do have a Labrador <laughs> that is a carpet digger and it looks like someone's gone through some of the guest bedrooms with like a rake um, because there's toenail marks uh-huh. through the carpet um, <laughs> where she digs, usually associated with when she's going to bed. And some dogs have kind of a nesting instinct where they kind of, whether they have a bed or not, they feel the need to kind of dig and kind of make things right where they're laying down. Um, my dog will actually do this in her sleep. She wakes up, gets up, and does this in her sleep as well. So some of that is somewhat of a behavior-type issue for her. Um, I guess for an older dog, the other thing that I would consider, if this is something that's developed more as she's gotten in her, her senior years, is that you know, we might have some degree of... Um, I don't want to say mental decline, but cognitive dysfunction. Uh, We do find that older pets can develop some um, problems um, where they maybe don't always recognize uh, their environment as well as they used to. Um, And some of that can include nighttime behaviors, nighttime anxiety, problems settling down where they get up in the middle of the night. Um, A lot of times there's other signs that accompany that, but that could certainly be even part of what we're dealing with. Um, and if it's mostly at nighttime, um, then there are some steps we might might address and we might do. Um, if she's an older gal and she hasn't been to the vet lately, I would definitely want to make sure she gets a clean bill of health and maybe just some basic lab work, make sure there's nothing going on there. Um, but for many pets, um, I actually do prescribe nighttime um, uh, sedatives or tranquilizers to help them if it seems to be only a nighttime uh, directed behavior. So that might be something to consider um, as far as if it's done more when someone's around, there are dogs that do this out of attention seeking and it's just kind of a way they deal with their anxiety and their stress. So I don't know, is that something where it's done when you guys are nearby or is it out of your presence? nearby occasionally she'll do it more when my daughter's out of the home for an extended period of time and then mm-hmm. what she'll start to do too was she'll like walk right under your feet or like if you're sitting down somewhere or at a desk she wants to be like in your lap and she's never been a lap dog ever mm-hmm. um and just like like want this attention all the time mm-hmm. so i okay. i think that you're right that it's possibly associated with her age and the fact like when my daughter is away. And if we're looking, you know, for some behavioral steps that we might do to addressing that, um, you know, we don't want to necessarily reward that type of behavior, but we want to give her something else to do at the time that she can't be doing while she's digging. Um, so, you know, practicing basic obedience commands, the sit, stay down type things, kind of take take her out of that loop of concentrating on that obsessive compulsive behavior and give her something else to do and to focus on so whether that's you know practicing some old dogs can learn new tricks too so we can't forget that so um, you know practicing little behavior steps um, giving her a chew item or a favorite treat something else to focus on um, than that what about the other thing about craving her i know a lot of people will crate their dogs at night and if we've tried to like put her we have a little dog run and she's houdini she gets out of that we put her in the garage she then will claw at the door in the door frame. Um, mm, so, okay. you know, that's kind of out of the, out of the option. But I, I was thinking maybe about just buying her a crate. You know, for some dogs, a crate can be a wonderful thing. I would be a little concerned for what you're describing and how she behaves when she's either left alone or perceived that she might be alone. Um, so not that she can't do that, but she could still dig at a crate. And we don't want to... 
um, a frustrated, anxious pet who's just confined. That doesn't get okay. us anywhere. So um, okay. we might need to pair that with other things. Um, so, you know, trying to give her other things to keep her occupied. Um, and you can use a crate, but you just have to make sure you're not leaving her long periods of time that she's calm right. when she's in the crate. So you're rewarding calm behaviors and not allowing her to get amped up and, and anxious because that's just going to um, be very counterproductive to keeping her in, in that kind of environment. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Bye now. We've been doing this for a long time now. We've been here answering your questions for 18 years, and we've had a lot of great celebrity guests. This hour, we're going to feature a flashback. This best of is Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton, the musician, the artist, the singer. She is uh, crazy about her cats, like nobody's business. Wasn't she a Bond girl, too? You know what? She's had a very illustrious career and continues. And she's coming up in a flashback next. Stick around. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. And now an animal radio flashback. I'm pretty happy. We have Poppy with Sheena Easton on the phone with us. Hi, Sheena. Hi, how are you? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Ow, my cat just attacked me. Well, Uh-oh. Which one? Oh, um, this is Yodi. Yoda's her formal name. Ow, Yodi. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, we have six of them. Wow. Wow. And two dogs. And they all get along? Uh, well, there's two groups. There's the, the original gangsters. Uh-huh. The two originals, and then there's the four sort of newbies, and we have to do a rotation system where um, the the first two get run of the house and then the other four. Luckily, the house is big enough to accommodate that, but they're all rescue cats, uh-huh. and um, we had two of them, and then, of course, you know, the kids talked me into getting another cat. So we, <laughs> Why not? We brought home from um, from one of those no-kill shelters. Uh-huh. We went in, you know, going to get a cute little kitten. And um, there was this black cat Uh-oh. in the cage, curled up in a fetal position, not interested. And the lady said that she'd been stuck in there for seven months. Uh-huh. And, you know, so we said, that's our cat. <laughs> so we took her home, and I noticed right away she was shaking her head. So she had ear issues. Uh-huh. And we took her to the vet, and she got an operation the next day to get a polyp out of her ear. Wow. And um, now she's a happy cat. She's a big, fat thing that <laughs> she um, she's just doing real good. But so when I took her back to the vet to get her ear checked, uh-huh. At the vet, somebody had dumped off a mom and, a, and kittens, and, of course, I took the mom and the two kittens home. So I went in with, with one and came home with four, so that gives us six. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always happens? Yeah, it's never it intentional. Does. It does, but they're just, they're so great. Now, they're, do you spoil them? Oh, please. Yeah. What, what do you think is the most spoiled thing you do for them? My cat? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, the, one of the original cats, uh-huh. right? The original gangsta. The original gangsters. Her name is Puffy. Uh-huh. And um, she's the most spoiled on the planet because she had panleukopenia. Uh-huh. And she was 
supposed to die at five weeks old, not a lot of um, survivability. What is panleukopenia a, a cancer? What is panleukopenia that? is essentially a, a extreme form of distemper. Oh, distemper. Okay. And if you look it up on the internet and just look at what you know, any any cat that's less than um, sixteen weeks, there's about an a ninety percent death rate, Ooh. and wow. both these kittens that. were five weeks old. So first of all, they spent a weekend in the emergency, and then I took them to my vet. And this vet, God bless her, she is like the best person in the world. Uh-huh. She took my babies home with her, wow. so that she could set her alarm and get up every hour to squirt, you know, this this food down their throat to keep them on a drip. Uh-huh. And she kept them alive through the worst phase of it, and they survived. So this cat, the long story short, once uh, she's had she's had some problems. She's got a little bit of uh, brain damage issues, mm. um, and she's also a peer. Uh oh. And so I've removed every piece of carpet. I've removed everything you can think of from, oh, from mean, downstairs. She sprays all over? Uh, she will just look at you and sit down and pee right in front of you. <laughs> I know those types. Like, how you doing? I'm just having a little time out here. <laughs> and so, we're, you know you know how, like, your your grandma will put the plastic covers on the couch? And uh-huh. We have to put plastic covers on the couch. Mm, yes, yes. And take them off when we want to sit there. It's a nightmare. So, I, And now she's on um, kitty downers. Kitty, like, does gonna, it work? We're going to research that because we... We actually know that multi-cat households like that, that is a problem. And uh, we know cats like this that last resort is to go to medication like Boost Par. They're, they're anxious cats. They pee all over. Well, you know, all of the cats have no litter issues, but Puffy always had a litter issue. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm one of those people. I'll research everything. I have every book on cats you can think of. Uh-huh. And um, right from the get-go, the signs were there. She has never attempted to cover up when she goes in her litter box. Hmm. When she was a, a kitten, all the other cats go in, they're fastidious. They'll be in right. there for an hour digging. Uh-huh. She just goes in, she leaves her business, and she walks away. She's never, and they say in all the books, that can sort of uh, indicate issues down the line. Mm, yes. And before any of the other cats came along, she had issues where she would go um, mm. outside of the box. Mm. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't think that it's the, the classic mark in the territory thing. Right. Um, and, you know, everybody says, I don't know how you put up with it, but I look at her eyes and what am I going to do? She's my absolutely, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. You're not going to get rid of her. No, you, so that's that. her spoiled thing. The whole family um, revolves around puffy issues. Make sure your bedroom doors are shut. Uh, you know, I, I get those big gallon, couple of gallon things. You know, I go around and I spray as soon as I notice anything. So there's there's no odors whatsoever in the house because I'm, like, fastidious about keeping it clean. Uh-huh. But the, the main thing is, is just, you know what, we've got wood and tile floors now downstairs. Plus, I have those little diffusers with the that you plug into the sockets that put the pheromone stuff in the air. Comfort I, zone. Feel yes. away. I do it all. Uh-huh. I do it all. I've got it all. I mean, if, if it's been out there, I'll try voodoo. I'll stick pins in something if it need be, you know. I'll get a little doll. <laughs> How did the dogs get along with all of this? My dogs love the cats. Really? Yeah. No, we, we, I grew up where I always had dog and cat households. And uh-huh. I'd say most times, and you know, unless you've got a, a dog that you just know isn't going to take the cats, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, my my dogs love them. The cats climb all over them. They they play with them. They do this thing where they chase each other around the house. Uh-huh. 
No, they get along great. Sounds like you love your animals a lot. Oh, you... man, I'm telling you. I, my, my kids told me that, you know, I'm basically going to be a crazy cat lady. <laughs> but they said that you, I don't get crazy cat lady status until they said that the thing that will define that is when they leave to go to college and uh-huh. I live alone and I move into a tiny little apartment and I have 20 cats. <laughs> and that could very well happen. Sheena Easton, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. This has been an Animal Radio flashback. Listen to more Animal Radio at animalradio.pet. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend. The toll-free number is 1-866-405-8405. Hey there. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm fine, just fine. I understand you're at Sam's Club preparing for a hurricane. Yes, we're here in North Carolina. And I thought, well, while we're out, let's run in here real quick. Okay, okay. Bad, bad move on my part. But anyway. Uh, what's going on with your animals? you have a dog or a cat? <clears throat> no, I've just got a dog, big old Jake. What's wrong with Jake? And, and uh, you know, it just started out. He, he was always hungry, and he's huge. So we found out he had a thyroid problem. So we put him on thyroid medicine. Then all of a sudden, he just started losing weight, like it was just falling off of him. I'm not talking about like two and a half, three weeks. And then he started drinking a lot of water. I thought that ain't right. <clears throat> Something's wrong. So took him back. Guess what? He's diabetic. So now he's taking 25 units twice a day of insulin. Okay. And. All uh, right. His weight has seemed to uh, level off at about 88 to 90. His water consumption's down. But then he started getting this growth around his penis. And I thought, you know how some dogs have those knots at the base where they, when they copulate, they, they get big or right. whatever. I thought uh-huh. that's what it was. <clears throat> well, honey, it's as big as a grapefruit now. Ooh. Mm, and okay. it's, it's real soft and spongy. He's got one on his left hip. Okay. He's got one on his, a small one on his chest. He's got a small one on his ear. Now, when he was about a year old, he got shot. Uh, some duck dickhead shot him with a gun, and he has he's still got 50, 50 to 52 pellets still in his body in wow. the lower half from his lungs back to his rear. Now, I don't know if his body is starting to grow fatty bodies around some of the pellets or what's going on. But anyway... We got him straight, got all that going on, and now he those, he's starting to he'll cough once in a while. And, go, and I mean, it's like he's trying to clear his throat. Okay. And then the thing that's got me concerned the most is if he's laying down, he's not comfortable. Then he moves over to another place, and he lays down. Then he'll get up and move again. He'll get up and move again. And then every time he moves and sort of rolls around, he moans and groans. Mm, okay. And he's starting yeah. to moan and groan more often. And Okay. And, I, and then I told my mother, I said, look at him. He ain't been outside, and he's sitting there panting. So usually when an animal's sitting there panting, he soars or he's hurting or something's going on. 
I have mm-hmm. had him x-rayed head to toe. I've had his blood drawn. Uh, I, I've spent about three to four grand on that dog this year. I don't know really? what to do. And I, okay. I just feel like something is not right. And I, and I don't want to not do something and then find mm-hmm. out, oh, well, had you done this earlier, you know, he'd be okay. So okay. I'll tell you something else he's never done. He now sleeps on his back. When he does get comfortable, he seems to roll flat over on his back, throw his legs straight up in the air, mm-hmm. and he'll lay like, you know, <laughs> sprawled out that way. And he's never done that. He didn't do it as a pup. And uh, okay. he just started doing that recently. And I don't know if okay. it's more comfortable for him because there's something inside of his body that's pushing on organs. And I, I just like, I just don't know. All right. So I wanted to ask you about, more specifically, about if he makes any coughing sounds or any unusual breathing sounds when he's taking air in or out. The only thing he does, like I um, said so a minute ago, and he only does it, I don't know, once, maybe twice a day, and he doesn't do it constantly in a row. He'll do it like once, and he'll go, and it's like a real deep guttural grunt, and it's like he's trying to clear his throat. Sometimes I notice it after he drinks water, and sometimes Mm, I notice it when Mama gives him one of them dry milk bones she gives him once in a while. So I don't know if he's trying to clear his throat or what's going on. Yeah, and you know you got a you got a lot of kind of oddities going on, and the general thing that that I think that you know I can answer for you is that when we have a pet that is uncomfortable, seems restless, is vocalizing in any way, and their behaviors are changed in a pattern that they're not normally done, to me that says there's something going on, and whether it's pain, discomfort, or feeling ill at ease, there's there's something that he's telling us that is going on. Um, so I would want to make sure, you know, it sounds like he's got quite a detailed medical history, but in a situation like his, um, the first thing I would want to do is, you know, make sure that our diabetes is well controlled. And, you know, we do that by checking things like uh, a blood sugar curve and a test called fructosamine and, and making sure that that's all up to par. She's done all of the blood work. I spent like 700 and some odd dollars on blood work to get all that done. And then uh, she said, no, he's, he's, he's on like 25 milligr- or twenty five units twice a day uh, in the morning and evening on that. And uh, that's, we're still doing that. That seems to be, I guess, doing yeah. him okay. But yeah. I just feel like and, and- something... Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard, you know, just hearing that the blood works okay, that's good. You know, my scrutinizing mind, you know, for me, I would have to kind of see that and kind of make sure there's nothing that would send me in another direction on that. But assuming that everything is okay with his diabetes, there's still other things that we would be on the watch for. So whether we're dealing with something of a pain, arthritic pain, um, we also can see some problems in, in Labradors particularly where they can have a condition called laryngeal paralysis. And that can affect their um, swallowing and breathing, and it can cause them to have some uh, harsh sounds. And sometimes they'll actually even kind of, I don't want to say choke or gag on things, but it can kind that's of sound. A, okay, that, that's the best way I've heard. That's what it sounds like. And like I said, it's not like he's constantly, like he doesn't have a fit, and he does it five or six times in a row. He'll just do it maybe once, mm-hmm. twice, once in a blue moon. He'll, Ugh, and it's, yeah. I mean, Hell, it sounds like a human. 
Yeah. So that might be something to raise that question with your veterinarian and say, hey, you know, um, you know, for me, I'd like to, you know, look at the chest x-rays, make sure we don't see any evidence of any infection that might be setting in because we have problems swallowing. And, and pets with that condition can actually um, get food and water into their lungs and get pneumonia. So it is something that we would want to try to, you know, figure out if that is on the table or not. Um, beyond that, you know, you mentioned some things with uh, lumps and bumps and especially if we've got some sizable ones, they would be things that I would look into and make sure they have been sampled. If they are like the typical Labrador problems, they are, Labradors are little fat factories and they are prone to getting some uh, pretty extensive what we call lipomas. Um, so they can get as big as a basketball, believe it or not. But the important thing is, you know, have your veterinarian check that and see if that is the case. Um, if it's not, then that could be part of our problem as far as with his discomfort or having other effects elsewhere in the body from, you know, those those larger lumps and masses that he's having. Um, well, the little one, I'm not going to worry about that much, but that one back here by his penis, and I mean, when he's laying on his back flat out, you can take both your hands and reach down there and hold it almost like a grapefruit. Wow. Yeah. And that, well, that has got bigger, and I'm thinking... Should I have, I don't like a dog. I don't like any animal cut on unless it's absolutely necessary. And I'm just at the point, should I have that removed or not? Uh, okay, Glenn, I'm going to tell you, if you walk into my office with something the size of a grapefruit dangling off your dog, I'm going to at least want to test it. So, you know, before you jump into the idea of surgery, I'd say, you know, ask your veterinarian to just do a needle biopsy on it and get an idea of what it is. And that can be done I'm without thinking, anesthesia. Yep, a needle I've biopsy. Done all of that. I said, stick a needle in every damn one of these lumps. You did, you okay. They're just they're just fatty bodies. Okay, so if they're just fatty tumors, they're not gonna hurt them. But okay. I just, I've had a uh. bunch of dogs. This is my fourth lab, and I've never had any of problems like this. Oh golly, and, uh, it sounds like at his young age, he's already got quite a bit going on there. So yeah, he's. It all started out years. He's allergic to chicken. He's allergic to some grasses, and some other stuff. Oh, holy cow! And um, he's a hell of a dog. He was raised for special needs and autistic children. He's, he's, his vocabulary is unbelievable when it comes to dogs. I mean, his vocabulary is way up there mm-hmm. as far as go get this, go get that, go do this, don't do that. You're like, damn. My mother said if he could talk, I believe he'd talk to you. Oh, but, <laughs> oh but, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I'm just concerned. I, I just don't want. To get a month or two down the road and go, oh, had we caught this earlier? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, my so, last yeah. two labs died of cancer. And so I quit doing the heartworm pills. The only thing I give him is next guard for fleas. I did some research on all this crap dumping in these dogs and Well, I'm not going to advocate anybody stop their heartworm preventative um, because heartworm disease is fatal, and that that in itself um, is a killer. I can't tell you how many animals are positive in certain parts of the country at any given moment, and it is a very real disease. So you do want to make sure you do something for heartworm preventative. Um, so that, that's a do- totally different subject. We won't go there. But I would definitely say for you, Glenn, that I would advise, you know, 
asking about the laryngeal uh, paralysis situation and then just really have a heart to heart about, you know, what kind of pain management um, do we need to kind of consider for him for the long term? And if we aren't addressing pain management, then that would be an avenue that I would say um, in the absence of proof that a pet is not in pain, I would always with these kind of symptoms want to make sure we are trying to manage that and do something and then see if he feels better and the symptoms get better afterwards. So my best wishes to you and keep up the great work with him. Um, He's sounds like he's surrounded by love in your home. Thanks, Glenn, for your call. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. British scientists have a theory that dinosaurs caused their own extinction. Yep, by breaking wind. Mm -hmm. Evidently, a lot of times. Their new study adds passing gas to the most likely causes, which include an asteroid strike and volcanic activity for their demise. The researchers determined that prehistoric beasts were responsible for tooting about 520 million tons of methane a year. That's a lot of gas. That would have been enough to warm the Earth during the Mesozoic era and uh, lead to their extinction. Giant plant-eating sauropods are being held as the main offenders for having a daily diet of a half ton of ferns and producing clouds of methane. The study appears in the current biology. I know some people that could have led to that extinction, too, without eating ferns, just eating some other things. (laughs) A few times I felt like I could have keeled over. Well, I live with three boys. You know, it happens. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Hey, it's Alan Cable. Got an email from a listener. How do I stop my dog from jumping on people? That's a pretty common problem. Chances are you're unwittingly rewarding your dog for jumping on you. I was at the dog park the other day. There was a nice lady there. We got into a conversation. She kept going, go ahead, play, play, come on, come on, to her dog. And uh, I finally said, your dog is playing. Every time you say that, you're confusing him because he runs over and jumps on you. He's already doing what you want and doesn't know what you want him to do. He's going to play on his own. All you have to do is stand there and he really doesn't understand what you're saying it was interesting for me i could see the confusion in her dog but she couldn't he was already playing with another dog every time she started saying this stuff he stopped to run over and jump on her dogs don't understand your sentences they do get your tone though whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood so when the dog was jumping on her she was getting more excited with her voice but shooing him away with her hands so he's confused it's just all confusing i'm confused anyway if your dog is jumping on you and other people especially when you're greeting them Don't speak to him in a positive manner. Make sure there are no rewards for your dog when he's jumping on you or other people. Even dog lovers who tell you they don't mind your dog's jumping, tell them, no, 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 no. Dogs can't distinguish between, oh, I can jump on him, but I can't jump on her. It's either all or nothing.
thing with a dog. He can either jump on everybody or nobody. We always talk about setting your dog up for success, so think about how you'd be setting your dog up for failure if you scolded him for jumping on one person but rewarded him for jumping on you or another. Wouldn't that be unfair and confusing and create anxiety in you if you were that dog? Well, that's what it does. So if your dog jumps on you when you get home, make it a non-event. Don't talk to your dog. Don't greet him for about 15 minutes after you get home. This will make your dog calmer, less anxious. Then when you do say hi, bend over and pet him at his level. This way he doesn't have to jump on you. And finally, teach your dog the sit and off commands. You do this by correcting your dog quickly and sternly when he jumps on you. And then when he sits, you tell him he's a good dog. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and we are so glad to be a part of Fido Friendly's Get Your Licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour, working its way across the country. And this weekend, Susan Sims, the best job in the world she has, I'll tell you that right now. She's in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Hi, how are you doing, Susan? Hey, you're doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Is is Oklahoma okay? Yeah, Oklahoma is A-OK. We're out here with uh, a lot of great animals ready for adoption. We have people that are donating money to spin the wheel and walk away with a lot of great prizes. How many animals have been adopted so far? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm going to guess we're probably looking at or two to 300 so far. Wow. Very cool, and a great turnout. Now, of course, the big deal is that even if you're not looking for an animal right now, go on down, spin the wheel, and uh, win some prizes from some great sponsors of this tour. You know, what's really, really important for everyone to know is that, you know, we're on the road for seven weeks doing this, but our sponsors are really the lifeblood of this and also the volunteers at the shelter. So we couldn't do it without you guys, and we can't do it with all the attendees that come out and donate money with proceeds going to the shelters. And uh, we have a lot of people here. So I don't know if you can hear it, but the, the spinning wheel has been very popular today. I bet. I, I know that in past years, there's been a line for the spinning wheel. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I get a little impatient, and I try to move them along as fast as I can. <laughs> but I like to talk to them about their pets, and I like to see that. Well, let, let's talk to someone. Okay. Well, I have somebody here that's looking to adopt. So I'm going to, uh, what's your name? Jill. Okay. Her name is Jill. I'm going to hand over the phone. Hello. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This is an amazing event. There are so many wonderful animals, and the Fido Friendly's done an awesome job with this. Get your licks on Route 66. I had to come out, and I've actually been looking for a new forever friend, so I thought, what a perfect day to come out and check out all the puppies and the dogs and see if I could find my next best friend. Any idea of what you're looking for? You know, I'm open-minded because I really know that there are so many dogs out there that need homes, and I just know that when I find the right one, it will jump out, and I'll know that that's my new best friend. So I'd like a medium-sized dog. I don't want a puppy. I want one that's maybe (laughs) middle-aged, but I don't care what breed. You know, I just want a dog that's going to love me that I can love back. Well, I know when you find it, you just uh, you connect. That has always that's happened right. to me in the past. You just look eye to eye, and suddenly there's that connection. And You know that's your dog. That's exactly right. I agree with you. Well, Jill, we wish you the best of luck in your search there. Thank you, and thank you for carrying this. It's a great event, and they're doing a lot of good things for all the dogs and the local shelters. So thank you so much. Thank- I'm going to pass it back to Miss Fido Friendly. Okay. <laughs> and Susan Sims. Hello. 
<laughs> so if you're not lucky enough to catch up with the Fido Friendly Tour and Susan Sims today in Midwest City, Oklahoma, tomorrow she will be in Tulsa. You'll be at the Woodland Hills Mall at 7021 South Memorial Avenue and working your way into Joplin, Missouri next, Springfield, St. Louis, Chicago, Springfield, Illinois, because, you know, there's the Springfield, Missouri and the Springfield, Illinois. There's a Illinois. lot of those Springfields. Yes, I get those confused, too. And Kansas City. And if you want to see the entire schedule, you can head on over to phytofriendly.com and select the Get Your Licks on Route 66 badge. You must be tired. Well, you know, we just run on adrenaline we, when we do these types of things. And, um, you know, you, you brought up Joplin, and I have to tell you, that's where we adopted Honey two years ago. Uh, we weren't looking for another furry companion, but now we have three that travel the Route 66 with us each year. And so I encourage people to come out and support their shelters, even if they're not looking to adopt right now. Uh, you never know when you meet that little spirit that tugs at your heartstrings like our little honey did. So uh, I encourage people to come out, support their shelter, and and um, have a good time and, and uh, spin our spinning wheel filled with a lot of prizes. Any chance you could add a fourth? <laughs> never say never. Yeah, well, we're already breaking the rules. We're only supposed to have two dogs where we live. So, uh, but don't tell anyone. We just we just say that she's like a little hamster. It's like two and a quarter dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly two and a quarter. Well, Susan, say hi to Greg for us, and we'll chat with you next week. All right, thank you guys, and thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. We've been testing the $70,270 Dodge Durango SRT SUV with the power of a sports car. Under the hood, a 6.4-liter V8 SRT Hemi engine that outputs 475 horsepower. I've long championed the fact that the Durango is the perfect family vehicle with three rows, captain's chairs in the second row, enabling a pass-through to the third row, becoming very easy. An outstanding infotainment system, especially for the kids, it now comes with sports car power to make it more fun to drive. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. So how loyal is your dog to you? Hmm? Uh, Would he or she come running to your rescue should you need help? Well, believe it or not, Uh, they might actually do a lot more than just run to your rescue, according to a new study. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University recently tested the extent to which dogs would go to check on a crying human parent or owner. And previous studies had already explained dogs' really strong reactions to human crying. You might have noticed this in your life. But this study was trying to really demonstrate the science behind a dog's eager and speedy response to human crying. Now, researchers wanted to know whether the dogs were more likely to open a door to get to their owner if the owner was crying rather than if they were doing something unimportant like humming. So the dogs who opened the door at the sound of their owner crying did so three times faster than those dogs who responded to their owner's humming. This study also measured the dog's stress levels during the test and found that the dogs who were able to reach their crying owners, that they showed lower levels of stress than dogs who were non-responsive to their owner's crying. You think, What's up with that? Uh, it, it might seem that the dogs who, who did not open the door and try to reach their owner or their crying owner, it might seem like they didn't care, but 
These experts say, in fact, the dogs with the highest stress levels during the experiment were actually the ones who were frozen in their tracks, unable to physically react to the sound of their human in distress. And this thing was this study I thought was pretty interesting. If you'd like to check out the whole thing, uh, the full study was published in the journal Learning and Behavior. Now, if you've ever stood in, and I know that we've probably all done this because I know what kind of people we are. If you've ever stood in the camping section of like Walmart or Target or one of those big stores or a a sporting goods store and wondered, hmm, how could I get one of these tents for my cat or my little little, chihuahua? Those little tents. Yes. I love those. (laughs) Aren't they cute? So we're, we're happy to report because we've all wondered the same thing. This is no longer a problem. Cats Camp, which is an Australian company, has um, created these new teeny tiny tents for indoor cats. They're not cheap. They're about 60 bucks each. Uh, They set up exactly like a human-sized tent that you would see in the sporting goods department. And they say that they make tiny cat tents serve as a high-quality cat bed. So there's actually something inside of it as well as a cozy cat hideaway. And uh, that makes somebody like me happy, who I've always enjoyed making cat apartments, I call them. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> in, uh, it is the end of an era, friends. Uh, happy to report the animals on the iconic box of Nabisco's Animal Crackers are now free. After all these years, depending on how old you are, this box has finally been redesigned. Now, if you're younger and you don't remember the previous packaging, for over a century... The box of animal crackers had Barnum Circus on it. Yeah. Um, showed a, a caged circus box car uh-huh. with lions, elephants, and other animals behind bars on it. Now, this new redesigned box has no cage. The box is decorated with a wildlife scene with free animals. And um, if you're a fan of animal crackers, got to tell you, though, that the animal cracker recipe has not changed. Awesome. So some things are forever. But uh, humans have evolved, Hal. You're right. <laughs> you know, I, gotta, I wonder, though, it, you know, being a kid, you know, I would think, all right, so is the tiger and the lion going to attack the elephant because they're not separated? Uh, y- you overthink this. <laughs> you were born to be a vet, Dr. Debbie. I'm Lori Brooks. <laughs> Get more breaking animal news anytime. We've always got it for you at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's Animal Radio. We just had a call about uh, some guy put some pesticide on his lawn and his dog went out uh, over the pesticide while it was still active. Yeah. Don't yeah. think that's what caused problems for the dog, but that's a very dangerous thing to do. You got to wait for that stuff to dry and sometimes wait a couple of days and yeah, check you, check the what the instructions. The thing is, is a lot of times if you walk your dog around the neighborhood, you don't know what your you neighbors don't know have what put other on their people yards. Have done. Yes, it's hard to tell. It is. Uh, so apropos, we join right now with Dr. Anna Brutlog. She is the uh, Director in Veterinary Services and Senior Veterinary Toxologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So how many times uh, during the beginning of the year do you hear about these pesticides on lawns that uh, really mess with dogs? Oh, it's cats. daily. Absolutely. We get we get a lot of questions. And because it's a lot of people use them, so therefore you're going to have a lot of exposure, which leads to a lot of questions. And it's, thankfully, most of the pesticides that are used nowadays on lawns 
for the most part, are pretty safe, but there still are a few standouts that we really worry about. Oh, like what? which ones should we be worrying about? Well, the ones that I worry about are typically not the herbicides necessarily. It's more the insecticides that are put on lawns. And one that we see particular problems with dogs in is it's insecticide granules with the active ingredient bifenthrin. So that's B as in boy, bifenthrin. And these are meant to, you know, they're really for the most part, um, you know, something that you broadcast on your lawn, and, and if an animal walks across a lawn and licks its feet, eh, you know, you, they typically can't get too much in that kind of exposure. But if the owner left that bag out and the dog got into that bag of product or they had a little pile on the yard trying to you know, trade an anthill or something like that, and the dog were to eat that pile of granules, then we can really see some pretty significant neurological effects. I just got a press release from you about Decon and their mice and rat killer and that they've changed the ingredients of their mice and rat killer. And how does that affect our animals? I mean, I would think it's dangerous any way you cut it. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to kill something. Right, exactly. And and so you're right. It is, you know, kind of, we worry about you know, anything that can poison a rat or a mouse can also poison a cat or a dog. They, we don't have things that just poison mice and spare other mammals. So, but the big change here is that Decon historically has always used blood thinner type rodenticides in their products. And what we liked about that as veterinarians is you, know, you never want to see an animal get into this stuff, but if they do, there's a very safe, easy, you know, rel- uh, cheap, easily reliable antidote that's available that all veterinarians have in there at their disposal. And so even if a dog you know, did get too much of the old decon, the blood thinner type, we could start them on the antidote and chances are they would do very well. With the new ingredient, it's called cholecalciferol, and that's also vitamin D3. So it's the same kind of vitamin D you, know, you and I make from sunshine. Animals need vitamin D because of their fur. They need to eat vitamin D. But you know, an overdose of vitamin D can be pretty hard on the kidneys. It can be hard on the heart. It can cause other blood, you know, other issues. And it's harder to treat those in a poisoning scenario than it was the old anticoagulant baits. So there's like no particular medicine that the veterinarians can serve up if they get in there? Are. That's a good question, Hal. There are medicines that we can give, and and we do use them. So we do things like we give those pets IV fluids, because what happens is they eat an overdose of vitamin D, and their blood calcium levels and their blood phosphorus levels get too high. And when your calcium and phosphorus get too high, those molecules combine and they form mineral. So it's almost like you think of these little guys as kind of turning to stone. You know, they lay down mineral deposits in the kidneys, mineral deposits in the heart, and those mineral deposits cause organ damage. So what we want to do as veterinarians is we want to get that blood calcium level back down to a normal level. And there are, we do that by using a lot of IV fluids. And there are some specific drugs that you can give that are helpful in most cases. And, but they're drugs that are given in the hospital. They're IV medications. So these animals usually end up spending more time in the hospital just simply to get all the medications that they need versus with our anticoagulants. They usually only had to spend maybe a day or two 
you know, at the most in the hospital, unless it was a very, very severe case. So the switch over to this new formula with the vitamin D, was that meant to help save animals and it's having the reverse effect? Or that was just something that they just did not even caring about the other animals? Well, that's a great question because it does have kind of an interesting past. So the change was actually to help. They made this change because they had to comply with new EPA regulations. So in 2008 to 2011, EPA changed the rodenticide laws. And what they said is if you're going to have a rodenticide that's sold for use in someone's house, they call these the consumer rodenticide baits, if it's a consumer bait, it can have basically one of three types of ingredients. It can have these kind of more old school, essentially anticoagulants. It can have vitamin D or it can have something called bromethylene, which is a neurotoxicant for which there is absolutely no antidote. So what DECON did is they said, well, First, we're going to try the kind of more old-school anticoagulants, but they were, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy there because those have been tried in the past and they just they aren't as effective. So they tried coming out with one of the kind of new, I should say new old-school, but that's exactly what it was, anticoagulants. Unsurprisingly, it didn't work very well. So then they were faced with a choice. Do we put out vitamin D or do we put out bromethylin? And they chose what they felt was the safer option, which is vitamin D, because at least, again, there are some more treatment options for it. Okay, so many questions, so little time here. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We are with Dr. Anna Brutlog. She is the Senior Veterinary Toxologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. Stick around. This is Animal Radio, baby. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, keeping them healthy and keeping them out of the toxin, whether that's insecticide of the lawn or something that's in the garage. With us is Dr. Anna Brutlog. She is the Senior Veterinary Toxicologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. We're coming up to our uh, winter months here. We're putting salt on the sidewalk, all kinds of chemicals on the sidewalk. We're putting antifreeze in the car. Is there a particular antifreeze that we should be looking at that's safer to have around? Because I know animals, especially dogs, they like to lick sweet stuff up. Or is there a particular salt or stuff we should be putting on our sidewalk as, as the snow approaches? Yeah, good question. For antifreeze, there is something out there. There's a couple different brands that make what's called a kind of quote-unquote pet-safe antifreeze. And the difference is that one is made from a chemical called propylene glycol, not 
from the traditional antifreeze, which is ethylene glycol. So these are cousin chemicals, but ethylene glycol is, causes much more damage to the kidneys than propylene glycol does. So what that means is a dog could drink more propylene glycol compared to you know, traditional antifreeze before it would get sick. So it still can drink enough to get sick, cats too, but it takes a lot more of it to cause an issue. So that would be something that I would recommend for pet owners. But the bigger thing is just if you have you know, any kind of antifreeze product in your garage, in your home, keep it out of reach. Because we see so many situations where a dog gets a hold of the bottle, especially a bigger dog, they find a bottle full of you know, liquid, they want to chew on it, and that's how they get exposed, or they get exposed while someone's out changing antifreeze in their transmission in the car, and our transmission, maybe that's not the right, <laughs> you can tell I'm not a mechanic, <laughs> what it is that the antifreeze goes into. <laughs> so, you know, they've got a bucket of used antifreeze or new antifreeze, and that's what the dog, you know, just sticks its head in the bucket and laps away. So that's where we see a lot of our issues. Hey, Dr. Anna, I, I have a question for you with my dad in mind. Um, he's got this massive garage, and he just turned 80, and he's got all of these old chemicals and bottles of this and that. I mean, he's got a cure for everything in the form of a chemical in there. So what are some of the older chemicals that we should stay away from that might still be really dangerous these days? Yeah, well, you know, frankly, antifreeze is still up there. It's been around for a long time. Um, but some of the other older ones, like older pesticides, especially older insecticides or older um, systemic flower care. So, like, for example, there used to be this product that you would put on roses for example, or specifically, it was a rose and flower food. You'd put it on the rose. The rose is meant to suck it up through its roots, and it's an insecticide. So if an insect is pestering the rose, it's going to die because of the insecticide that's in the rose. And so some of those older products, they don't make them anymore, probably quit making them, I don't know, five, seven years ago. But those can be extremely toxic to cats and dogs. So stuff like that, old um, you know, pool chemicals, those are other things that are just really concentrated. That can be a problem when cats and dogs get into them, too. So, yeah, those old, that old stuff, there's a good host of problems out there. That's not to mention any of the older population's medications and yeah. pharmaceuticals, which is oh, another yeah. whole topic of toxicities. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, we're out of time, but I've learned so much from you. The PetPoisonHelpline.com is the website. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Dr. Anna Brutlog. you know how everyone has a, a doppelganger, you know, a visual, do- <laughs> like somebody that looks like them? You sound exactly like Nancy Cartwright. And <laughs> do, do you know who she Mark, is? no. Yes. I will have to look her up. It's good to have an audio doppelganger. I've never thought about that. Hey, say don't have a cow man. <laughs> I don't have a cow man. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe. Maybe. You're, Next time, I'll be prepared. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Take care. You're funny. Huh? No, I swear to God, you put her audio back to back with Nancy, and it would sound identical. You just when she dated. said don't have a cow, it did sound like her. She has no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She has to be young. Hey, Dr. Debbie, I, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to what I'm gonna do. I was sitting here looking at Roro, and he yawned, and I thought, <laughs> I, I, what can I do to interact with him now and get him more stimulated? And when um, Dr. Zazie was on earlier, she had mentioned how she loves playing tug-of-war with her dog. And I have always heard that you shouldn't play tug-of-war 
um, that dogs can play with other dogs, can play tug of war with other dogs. So I, I'm wondering, get, do I finally get to play tug of war with my dogs now, or is this still not a good idea? You know, it, it's not, it, because I actually learned that same thing with my current dog, because there was the desire not to teach them that you, they were fighting and competing with you um, over items, that they should always release them to you when right. you kind of provided that. So I think it really depends on the animal, the purpose, and their drives. Um, I've tried to play tug-of-war with my dog now, and she was raised not to ever play tug-of-war with a human, and she just has no interest in it, so... Um, it really depends on the pet, and uh, I think the most important thing is to do something that's that's mentally stimulating for them, something they enjoy. So, um, you know, if he loves to play tug of war, great. Um, if he would rather sit and watch TV with you, uh, that's not really stimulating. But maybe we could incorporate some kind of activity <laughs> in there where he goes after like a, uh, a toy with a food item in it or something like that. Well, thank you so much because I was I was just a little confused. So uh, maybe I will try tug of war with Tater, who is the pit bull, and he's kind of submissive and got good manners uh, most of the time. And and Roro would rather just sit on the pillows next to me and snore. So. <laughs> okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. If you have any questions anytime during the week, you can always ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And don't forget to get your fix over at the website at animalradio.pet. Have yourself a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.